My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Welcome back to the Six Figure Podcast Rebels. Britt here. We have another exciting interview ahead of us today. The guest I'm bringing on, Ilya Friedman, worked in Hollywood for over 30 years building studios and working as a technical consultant. Now Ilya is the president of Hot Rod Cameras and the co-host of the Cinematography Podcast. We'll have some great conversation within that alone. We'll go over some wins, what's working, and we'll go over some challenges that he's faced over over the, his time and experience and um, take it from there. So thanks so much for jumping on today. How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. We're super excited for today. But before we jump in, do you mind just, you know, giving our audience a little bit of a, your background, a little bit of your story? And, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Because I think you're kicking butt and it's fantastic. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know how much time you have, but I'm going to keep this short. So um, in the uh, early 90s, uh, I started working as a cameraman in Hollywood for um, motion pictures, television, commercials, that sort of thing. And um, uh, I got injured in a car accident and uh, basically was told by a, a doctor, hey, don't lift anything heavy. If you uh, lift anything heavy, he says, you'll never get better. And I don't think a lot of people understand really the duties of a camera assistant and camera operator and really how heavy that equipment can be. Uh, but I was regularly lifting uh, 100 pound uh, Panavision packages that uh, really it, it's according to the doctor, they said, if I kept doing that, uh, I, I wouldn't get better. So uh, I had to do something else with my life for a period of time. And I ended up working uh, behind a desk in uh, camera rentals. And so I started renting uh, camera equipment to uh, the industry. Um, including uh, all of the most uh, technically complex uh, shows on television in the early 2000s. So um, shows that had more than 30 cameras, uh, things that were uh, in the, the burgeoning high definition space. Those are all my clients. And um, at one point I got burnt out, thought I might uh, leave the industry, never come back and got headhunted by a company that was uh, building the world's first uh, 4K digital cinema camera. And uh, they convinced me, so I went to go work over there. And uh, I thought I might work there for the rest of my life. The company's called Dalsta. They, uh, yeah, you can, can Google them, although a lot of the information is uh, sort of like lost to time now. This is uh, 2006. And um, they were affected greatly by the global financial crisis. And uh, I lost my job uh, along with 39 other people uh, right, after, uh, right after the, uh, you know, no, no one had ever heard the term credit default swap. But that's pretty much uh, basically when the when uh, October 2008 rolls around, they said, hey, all non-essential businesses or non-essential divisions of DALSA are going to be closed down. And uh, I had a one month old son at home. And my wife said to me, uh, I thought that I was going to be mom and you would be working. So what are you going to do? And a few months later, Hot Rod Cameras was born. I had an idea to uh, for an invention. Uh, no one had ever placed uh, professional cinema lenses on small mirrorless cameras before. 
And uh, I had a little bit of inside information that a new camera was coming out that shot the first uh, standardized format of high definition. And I built a adapter to use professional cinema lenses and hot red cameras was born. Wow. So, um, that, that was really, uh, you know, very humble beginnings. I started in my garage uh, and was there for uh, more than a year. But um, I started getting uh, emails and uh, calls from people all over the world wanting to, to have this adapter and wanting to um, also modify uh, sort of early DSLRs or HDSLRs as they were known, essentially removing the mirror and putting on a professional cinema lens mount so they could use their professional lenses on little cameras. And a lot of big Hollywood movies uh, uh, started using this as a director's finder, as a crash camera. And actually as the budgets went down, the cameras, uh, the camera moved up in the ranking including becoming the A camera. And there was a movie that, uh, that uh, did really well years and years ago at Sundance called Like Crazy. And it was shot entirely on one of our modified cameras. And then of course, really, really big Hollywood movies like Fast and Furious movies were also taking some of our modified cameras and doing stuff. And wow. uh, in, a, in a 2011, I got approached by the Zeiss Corporation. They said, hey, uh, your cameras are always really popular in our trade show booths. Would you mind, uh, would you be interested in selling our cinema lenses? And I said, I don't really know anything about selling other people's products. I've you know, just worked in manufacturing and I've worked as a cameraman, worked in rentals, but you know, uh, selling is something I, I, I don't know. And they said, well, if you buy a lens, we'll see how it goes. And if it, if it does well, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. And in about six months time, I'd sold more of a particular line of their cinema lenses than their distributor had in about a year and a half. And so based on that, I started having other people call me up saying, hey, we've got these tripods, we've got these other products, how would you like to sell them? And if you visited me sort of, uh, you know, late 2011, my 300 square foot office looked like an episode of that television show Hoarders, slightly, slightly better organized. <laughs> but if you'd come and knocked on the door, it would have been like uh, hot rod cameras. And I'd be like, back here. And you'd have to walk around <laughs> and stack of boxes and I'd be hunched over a desk, you know, modifying cameras. And oh, you came for, you came for that lens. Hold on a second. Let me Tetris this out for you and, and hand it to you. Um, so I finally got my own shop in, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, early 2012. Uh, we've since moved and grown to a 7,000 square foot retail space in, uh, in the heart of the production district of Hollywood, which is technically Burbank, California. And uh, we now employ about 15 people. And um, yeah, we, we sell equipment to the industry and um, we're not a rental house. We don't rent equipment, but the rental houses all buy from us, including all the, the largest rental companies. And we build studios, we built six studios. We built uh, a studio uh, for Mythical Entertainment, who's probably most famous for the television show, Good Mythical Morning, which I think has right. 20 million subscribers on YouTube. But we've also built studios for Shondaland and, and a bunch of other people. And so building studios, technical consulting, um, that's sort of like the, the day job. I put on my technical hat for that. Uh, we're, you know, we're the number one Airy camera dealer in the country. We sell more uh, Airy cameras. Airy is uh, the, the, the industry standard for, for cinema cameras. Uh, and then sort of I, I switch hats on evenings and weekends and I put on my podcasting hat and uh, I, I do this little podcast called the Cinematography Podcast. And we have on 
cinematographers of uh, you know very large recognizable projects. We also bring in some other people who are you know on on their way up, and uh, occasionally people who work in other capacities in the industry. Uh, basically, the only real requirement is you have to have a uh, an opinion about about images. A, a, Opinion about the industry and, a, and a, you know an informed opinion, so you can have a conversation. And, right. Uh, that, that's been going really well. We've uh, you know we we have Academy Award winners. We have directors. Uh, Ron Howard's kind of on the show. It's like we've we've done a lot of you know uh, a lot of stuff, and that's fun. That's the fun part of my business. And people keep telling me I should really uh, do more with that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to try and make uh, 2023 the year that we really do a lot more with our podcast interesting everything you've done is just very compelling it's incredible and your podcast actually has a huge amount of people downloading it right we're at what is it i know it's in the millions it's in the millions yeah yeah we're we're not quite at a million and a half but we're getting close so which I, I knew you were getting close that. yes so that's exciting. It's it's a big hit and um, everything you're doing, like with the, picking the right people to get on there so that you can have these interesting conversations is important. How do you go about finding the right people? Do you go do a lot of referrals or how do you go about getting the right people on these interviews? You know, uh, a lot of them are clients of Hot Rod Cameras. A lot of them are people who come into our store and, and buy stuff. So we, we have relationships with a lot of these uh, cinematographers and, and producers. Uh, but also, we don't have to work too hard at it anymore, which is really nice. Uh, we are getting uh, requests uh, weekly, constantly from people saying, hey, uh, we want to be on the we want to be on the show. Uh, sometimes it's the person directly. Sometimes it's a publicist or someone that works for them. Uh, they, they've heard some of our other shows and they want that exposure for the client. So the good news is, is that um, we have a full time producer and uh, she does a great job with the show. But at the same time, I think she has to she gets to work a little bit less hard now in, in booking guests because uh, we, we have a we have a line, a line of people waiting. We have a lineup. Well, it's always nice, though, that you don't have to go out looking for it. You know, you're attracting them yourselves. They come to you. So that's great. Fabulous. So I know we touched a base on it a little bit about the podcast, but when exactly did you start it again? Do you mind just repeating that? Yeah, no, I don't think I, I said, but we started. Or maybe we talked about it before the interview. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's true. Uh, we started in 2014, is 2014. And, 2014. Uh, it was interesting. I, I think that first year we only did three episodes. So it was, uh, maybe it was four, but it, it wasn't a lot, but we didn't really have our footing. We didn't understand what was going to click with our audience. We didn't really understand what it was that they wanted. And uh after you know that that first year was really informative for us though because we were able to go back and and talk to people who had told us that they're fans and people who had reviewed the show and said hey what's working what's not working and we've sort of tweaked and adjusted it over the years and um about two and a half years ago we started really like i'd say really it's sort of the um it was before the pandemic so it, you know maybe it was three years ago we really just decided that we were going to buckle down and we were going to make it a weekly show. So every every week we're releasing an episode and they're usually out on, on Wednesdays uh, at, at some point on Wednesday. And uh, that really clicked with our audience. Our audience loved just having it appear in their queue. We get lots of emails from people saying, oh, I, I, I drove four hours in the car or I had, the, you know, I had this uh, really long, terrible commute in Los Angeles and your podcast gets me through it. Thank you so much, which is which is wonderful, but I'd say that consistency and really, I think I, I someone sent me a message the other day saying that we are the most consistent 
production related cinematography podcasts out there and there, there's a few others but they'll do like a couple of episodes call it a season and then take a break for six months and then they come back right we, we've just decided that no we're we're really going to do this and we have fun doing it it's like it, it it does you know we do have some sponsors it does make us some money but at the same time uh it's not about the money that really covers our our operating expenses a little bit more really we're right we're, we're having fun doing it it's been it's been a lot of fun amazing how many episodes are you and seasons are you at now well we haven't really broken it down by seasons per se but i i know we're closing in on 300 episodes i think it's like 260 or 70 episodes and uh if, if since it's a weekly show, um, you know, 52 episodes uh, a year, basically. Uh, occasionally, we release special episodes when something like Sundance comes along. We sometimes uh, will double up and get maybe do two or three episodes in a week, but uh, but pretty consistently, about an episode a week. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, consistency is key with them, right? So that's great that everything's working out for you guys. Like by the looks of it, it's going really well, and people are coming to you, and you. Yeah, you have a lineup, which is amazing. So what intentional actions did you take to like actually get it started like at the very beginning? And what made you want to like go ahead and get started with a podcast? Uh, I was originally pitched uh, pitched the idea of a podcast by my co-host, uh, Ben Rock, who is a director and uh, worked on the Blair Witch Project and is, uh, you know, is... is is got a lot, a lot of different things going. He also is working in audio now, doing producing some shows for Audible. Um, he came to me uh, in in the mid two thousands and said, "Hey, you really, you and I should really do a podcast." And my response to him was, "What's a podcast?" I <laughs> it was was really wasn't uh, sure about it at all. And it, it frankly took me years. And uh, my company was still relatively young in twenty fourteen. We'd only been around for about five years, and uh, I said to him, hey, you know, if you still want to do that, I I'm game. I, I didn't really start listening to, to podcasts till I don't know, when Serial came out. It was probably, you know, uh, it was many years ago now. But um, that was sort of like my gateway drug. That's what sort of got me interested in podcasts. And then really started kind of going through, you know, the different curation services out there and stuff and, and reading podcast reviews and discovered that I, I loved it. And then I became a fan of podcasts. And so when uh, it came time to start our own, uh, I, I really wanted to do a, a good production. We only did interviews with people uh, in the same room. A lot of people were, were doing stuff over the phone and uh, through the internet. And of course the pandemic changed that. So almost everyone uh, I think does these remote podcasts, but there's ways that you can cheat to make it sound better. I think the way that we're doing it, like you're recording on your side, we're recording on our side and it, it right. cuts together. Um, what, uh, we really didn't want to have one of these podcasts that sounded like, you know, someone on the other end of a phone and it wasn't edited. So we edit all the way down to the ums and uhs that we say. We have a, you know, our editor takes that stuff out. And I believe that because we have a really high production value and the shows sound good, they sound like, you know, people are more or less in the same space, even when they're not. Uh, I, I think that goes a long way. I think that was really sort of like early intentional steps that we wanted to take to separate us from from all the other shows that were out there, or at least all the other right. sort of like smaller produced shows. I mean, the, the network produced shows use all the same techniques. We wanted to do that too. So uh, I looked for microphones that NPR uses and found out that they're about $5,000 a piece. And I said, okay, what's the poor man's version of the NPR microphone? And found out that was like 
$2,500. And I was like, well, you know, we really, that seems like a lot to invest on a, on a brand new show that we don't know how this is going to work out. Everything's good. So right. poor man's version of the poor man's version. And we kept doing that until we found about a $200 uh, microphone. So, but it seems to have worked out okay because your room, I think, is at least as important as the equipment that you that you put inside of it. And as long as you don't choose the wrong room that's too echoey with you know a lot of uh, sound reverberating off the walls, uh, a, a fairly modest microphone will actually give you really good results. Absolutely. And it has worked out just fine. Like, look where you came to today, right? So um, that's perfect. Now, how has your podcast affected your business since you started you know uh it's interesting we we didn't have as much uh connection we were are the presenting sponsor uh, hot ride cameras is the presenting sponsor of our podcast and um we we have gotten business we have gotten business we built a studio for a uh canadian toy company actually in, in culver city oh. a few years ago they, they reached out to us and said, hey, we have this budget. We need to put a lot oh, wow. of uh, equipment into a, a studio. Can you help us uh, figure out what the right stuff is? It, that's probably the number one part of my job. Uh, it, it's interesting. There's this big split in the industry, and I don't mean to, to, to go off on this tangent for too long. I'll make it quick, but no worries. there's, there's very much a, a, a professional, a business, and a consumer mindset. So those are the three sort of mindsets I, I run into all the time with customers. Consumers. Uh, often I feel like they think they know what they want. They don't need to actually talk to someone. They just want to like click an item, put it in their cart and buy it. And they think they've got the whole world figured out. Businesses and professionals don't usually work like that. Although some professionals think uh, I'm an expert in this. I know what I want. I want to, I want to get something and go. Uh, but a lot of businesses in particular, large corporations and uh, studios and people who uh, have a, have a, a team mentality. It's not a one-man band. It's not one person trying to do, to do that. They want to get a lot of feedback. And we're often asked to kind of go through their equipment lists and say, like, are we, they, they want to know, are they getting the right stuff? Is there a place that they can either save money, buy something better, have something that does more of what it is that they're looking for? And so a big part of my job is helping people curate the correct equipment for their studio, for their production package. I even do it for film students. I do it for, I do it for anyone who asks, basically. But my job is helping people. And that's frankly what gets me up in the morning. That's what I like to do. I like to help people. And uh, the podcast has allowed me to reach a much wider audience than I ever have before. And so we've gotten to help a lot more people. And it does uh, equate to business, which is wonderful. But I'm happy to give advice to people and try to point them down the right path, even if it doesn't mean that they're buying something from us. It, I'm just happy to do it because I know that they're going to, you know, end up uh, in a better place because of that, that time and effort that we, we spent together. Because you have a passion for it. Sorry, did my computer freeze? It did. Oh no. Okay. And now my, and when your computer froze, it made my system change again too. So now my microphone switched. <laughs> okay. It's weird because I could see myself and hear myself, but I couldn't see you. I wasn't sure which side it was, but That's we so can weird. keep going. Uh, here, let me, let me re try to repatch mine. So it sounds the same. Okay. Hopefully it'll work. But yeah, when your when your connection freaked out, that's when my system got unhappy. So let's try this again. I don't know what's happening with this, but we can, we can definitely uh, uh, edit that out. So it'll be fine.
Okay. So it looks like my, my microphone is back the way it was, which is great. So. Perfect. Okay. So we were just, yeah. So it's, you don't mind, you know, sharing information and whatnot because you have a passion for all of this, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do, but I think that I just really like, I like helping people not waste money. I like helping people right. make the appropriate choices uh, for, for their lives. And if I can offer some perspective, I mean, I, I spent a long time working on set and then a long time working in rentals. And so uh, buying and selling equipment, the, the nature of owning equipment, uh, the utilization of equipment, plus uh, I end up consulting for a lot of manufacturers. I've been involved in the launches of dozens of new cameras and dozens of new products for the, the motion picture industry. I get a lot of heads up of information that uh, that the, ge the general public isn't uh, isn't aware of, and um, because of that, I uh, you know I, I'm on the the ASC technical committees. I do the ASC is the American Society of uh, Cinematographers, and they have these tech committees which uh, serve as uh, in some ways guides to the industry to make recommendations on uh, on, on practices or on workflow and, and uh, technology and a lot of different things. But, but doing that work, we help make sure that everyone's lives gets easier as we move forward with new technology rather than harder. And uh, I think that's really hard to do if you don't have some sort of uh, guiding principle to uh, do no harm, to try to, you know, uh, you know a, a good moral compass. Uh, if you just want it to be a free market and let everyone go out there, uh, I think that a lot of people's time get, gets wasted and there's a lot of uh, needless, uh, you know, banter and conversation about, you know, one type of technology or another. When people at least adhere to basic standards, uh, there's a lot more interoperability, there's more, a lot more interoperability and uh, everyone has the chance to do something better with less effort. Right. Absolutely. Well, I love all of that. And that's, um, it's, it's nice that you're, you know, open to all of that because a lot of people aren't. So we all know with building a eight, eight figure business, there's a lot of wins, but can we talk about some of the biggest challenges that you faced during these times? Huh. Well, yeah. Um, the pandemic was really hard for us. Uh, and I think it was right. really hard for, for a lot of businesses. Um, we saw about 90% of our sales disappear uh, in, in within about a week. And um, this this is like uh, mid, late March, 2020. So uh, speaking of like, you know, recent trials, um, that was a big one. We ended up furloughing about 90% of our employees. And uh, I know that uh, our competitors did as well. Uh, but, you know, the government stepped up with PPP money really fast. And when that happened, um, we were in a different position than I would say most of our competition because we hired back our entire staff. And uh, over the next couple of months, basically, we brought back we brought back our team and a lot of competitors didn't do that. So when the industry really started returning, because uh, the entertainment industry in particular is, is very resilient. And when when times are good, the entertainment industry is good. When times are bad, the entertainment industry still seems like it, it handles things pretty, pretty well. Uh, and when it was decided that production was going to resume in the midst of the pandemic, we were ready to supply our customers much more so than uh, competing, uh, competing businesses, which uh, worked out really great for us because 
uh, we could hit the ground running. We could be there. We could support them. We could offer information. And of course, try to help them with PPP. We started selling N95 masks and kits of things to our, to our customers. And 2021 ended up being uh, our best year ever. So, so yeah, wow. uh, we, went, we went from our worst year ever to our best year ever, which was kind of, uh, you know, whiplash. Yeah, so you went from a 90% decrease in sales to your very best year ever. Yeah. Incredible. That's a shift, hey? That's, that's incredible. And so uh, what were some of the things that, can we go a little bit deeper about what some of the things that really changed and in every way? Sure. Um, yeah, the, well, in 2020, in early 2020, um, the phone completely stopped ringing. And, and the phone is probably the, the number one way that uh, B2B, and I, and I include all freelancers out there in this sort of B2B space. They're professionals. Right. They are buying a tool for their business. There are some people out there who buy cameras almost as like affectations and they're not, they're not actually professionals. And it's, it's almost like a social status thing, which I've never understood. But for people who are businesses where they rely on that tool to get the job done, uh, they saw all of the work disappear. Yeah. It did it again. That's uh, so weird. Anyway. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like every time I just unplug and replug, it solved it. But um, you saw on my end, you sound okay. The okay. Same, so. mm-hmm. That's great. No worries. We'll edit it, this part out anyway, so it's all good. Okay. So it's uh, it's back. Um, we saw our bread and butter customers. Uh, we saw them essentially uh, lose their shirts. It was it was really tough for that period of time, and I understand completely. We didn't get uh, we didn't get a lot of calls from them. Thankfully, actually, uh, they, we have some churches and we have some government contracts, which uh, which kind of helped helped us through. Some of the sometimes it's called the, the house of worship uh, market. We uh, during the early parts of the pandemic, we really were supported by a couple of churches that decided, you know what, uh, this is a great opportunity for us to. We may not be having services right now, but we are going to retool and redo our entire infrastructure when it comes to the video production. God damn. Should just keep going. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just uh, I think we should just keep going. It's all good. All right. Well, uh, here uh, uh, this will be the, this will be the last time. Um, I can. How, how many more questions do you have? I can wrap it up whenever I ha- I can. I was going to okay. ask you about two or three more questions, um, okay. and then we can wrap it up. My internet's it's not giving me any errors or anything, so I'm not sure what's happening with the with the headphones or the mic. It froze for a second and then it dropped out. But anyway, uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Real, I'll I'll wrap through this question. So you know, we we were really we were really fortunate that we had some clients that weren't in the traditional uh, motion picture television space, and uh, they were looking to spend money. So uh, that helped us through. And then when when production returned, there was so much stuff that had been sitting around for so long. It was like a vengeance. And I know lots and lots of crew people in particular they never worked so much in their life. They worked from job to job to job. I knew people who were working uh, all over the world and it, it didn't stop and uh, they needed gear. They needed gear in a, in a big way. So uh, we ended up doing, um, we ended up doing, it was dizzying how much work that we ended up doing in 2021. So 
I, I, I don't know if that entirely answers your question, but that's pretty much how it went down. No, absolutely. It gives me a better understanding of it. It's that's incredible. So congrats on everything because um, that's huge, you know, to do a total flip. <laughs> so we are getting closer to the end of our episode, but I do have a, a question that I'm curious to see um, what you would change if you were to, based on where you are today, if you were to tri triple your profit and revenue in one year's time, what are some of the changes that would need to be made or what are some of the different challenges that you think you might face? Oh, interesting. Um, we've always had a manufacturing component to the business. We, uh, we started off as inventors building the, uh, the professional cinema lens mounts for more modest cameras as well as modifying cameras. Uh, we own a, a four-axis CNC machine and have a full-time design engineer who works in the shop. And we are always working on uh, tweaking little things. We're, we're coming up with new versions of products. And uh, I think what if we were to, to triple our, uh, our profit and uh, revenue overnight, uh, I think we'd invest a lot more in that division because that division does great and it does exactly what we need to do. But uh, I think that we might uh, we might double down in that area and really try to uh, to branch out. We also probably would uh, invest more in the podcast because I think the podcast is more fun. And if I can uh, more more fun, and you have a passion for it, right? Yeah, it's it's great. It's like no, I, I love talking to our clients. I love talking to cinematographers. I love talking yep. to everyone about their stuff. And uh, you know, it's Los Angeles is a weird place. You can have a really good friendship and not see that person for like six years, but you still consider them a good friend. And it, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's very geographically sort of centered like that because I think uh, the way the city is so sp spread out, doing this podcast and using the podcast as an excuse to talk to, to friends and clients uh, has been a great way for us to stay connected. Because even if we're not doing an episode right away, I'm in constant contact with people saying like, hey, what does this date look like on the calendar? Hey, how does it right. work? And so just those sort of connections that I get to, to make all the time with, with other people, uh, I think has really helped me uh, and helped uh, you know, me stay connected. It's helped me connect with people that I think I might've lost touch with due to the pandemic or might've not, not seen as often because they, they couldn't come into the shop. So really it's been, uh, it, the podcast has, has really helped for meaningful connections. It just so happens that most of the people we want to have on the show are, are friends or acquaintances or, or people who work in the industry. But uh, it's also great for me to meet new people. I meet so many new people through the podcast, people who I, you know, travel in different circles or do different things. And that's been so much fun to get to, to learn more about them and, and what it is that they're doing and their perspective, because uh, everybody's got different perspectives. And it's been, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a joy. Yeah, it's incredible how many connections you make just throughout a podcast, right? Like people from all over. And I think it's really important to how you are, you have a certain niche, you have a, you know, exactly who you're wanting to do these podcast interviews with. And because um, it's really important, I think, when people have a clear vision of exactly the people that they want to bring on and the connections they want to make and stuff like that. Um, yeah to have a really good idea of exactly the people you're you're wanting to interview because also just the theme of every podcast um all that stuff matters and it seems like you have that all figured out so you're doing great well thanks we're, we're trying our best it's, it's a lot of work but at least the work is fun. right so yeah. and you have such a passion for it and like it's 
it's, I think you should definitely continue doing it for as long as possible because it's totally up your alley. <laughs> and um, one last question before we um, jump off today is what would be your biggest focus and desire for this year with your podcast? And your last question was going to be, where can people find me? <laughs> that's next. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm sorry. You said, what is my biggest focus for this year? Yeah. Focus or desire for your podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. I, I guess I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of just taking it as it goes. So, so hopefully, right. hopefully we'll figure, we'll figure that out. 2023. I think that uh, I, I want to invest more more time in the podcast for sure and uh i, I think maybe some live events maybe we'll since Ooh. things have basically uh you know improved to the point now that uh gatherings are happening and people are are, are going to be in the same space we had done a few live podcasts before i think we'll probably do some more awesome well that all sounds amazing i just i like to ask everyone on the interviews you know what's your focus for this year because everyone has a different um route that they're going down and i I like to, I like to hear about them all. So anyways, amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on today, Ilya. And if anyone's looking to connect with you, that's listening in the audience, what would be the best way to go about reaching you? Of course, there is a garbage truck driving by right now. Of course. Taking away my trash. So that's, um, <laughs> If you'd like to connect with me, no, actually, I'm just going to wait because I think they're about to pull away. Gosh. No problem. Oh, now it's funny you say that because I had one earlier today driving past when I was doing another interview. I'm like looking out at, at the, out the window and um, it's distracting me and it's loud. And uh, <laughs> Yes, Thursday is trash day. Uh, yes, the brakes. Okay, well, I think that they're they're now far enough uh, uh, away. I will, I will lead into this nicely so that your editor uh, has has a real easy uh, way to. to uh, <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. It's <laughs> Nothing like the sound of cans slamming on the ground. We did so well. Like we did so well without garbage trucks driving by until right all right i think it's finally gone oh okay all right great uh where can you find me uh you can find me uh quite often over at hot rod cameras which on the web is hot rod cameras it's plural there's an s on the end hotrodcameras.com uh if you want to connect with me uh you know something business related, uh, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. I connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn. I keep all of my um, uh, direct contact information on LinkedIn. I'm also on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and everything else, but I have to admit, I don't really uh, get all of those messages, especially the one that Facebook puts into like, you know, the other folder and Instagram. They want to keep, they, it seems like they want to keep people apart. I, I understand that. I get plenty of spam too, but uh, LinkedIn seems a bit better. You can just request connect and then boom, uh, I can connect and then all of my contact information is there. But uh, yeah, you can find me at most of the places. No TikTok, no TikTok yet. I'm not planning on. No, yet. not yet. I was going to say. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, well, thanks for sharing. Is there any other... The, 
there anything that else that you want to add and any other way for them to reach you? Uh, no, I, I think just uh, either Hot Rod Cameras, the shop, or you're welcome to, to get me through the other stuff. Uh, all of the information for Hot Rod, Hot Rod Cameras is on, you know, is on Google and uh, there's phone numbers and everything else there. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Ilya. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure or higher entrepreneur and want to come on as a guest on the podcast, please go to podcastrebels.com. We'd love to interview you as well. Thanks again, everybody. And thank you so much for jumping on today. Catch you on the next episode, you guys. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.